Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, and you will, find 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, with us this morning, as we are going verse by verse through the book of 1 Samuel. And we have been uh, journeying through this book now for uh, quite some time, and uh, it's really been a blessing. And um, today I want to talk to you about the same series that we've been on, that God is able. But the subtitle of today's topic is Overcoming Fear. Um, All of us have fear. It looks different for each and every one of us. Some fears are goofy, like people that can't walk over a line that's painted on the ground, or maybe some of you are afraid of snakes today, or or maybe there are serious fears in your life, like a fear of death. And I was reading some research, and 24% of all Americans are afraid of heights. Heights do not bother me. It is the fact that the ground is there worries me. It doesn't matter me so much that I would hurt myself. It bothers me so much that someone would be like, well, that earthquake in Japan was caused by Jake falling or something. Um, but the number one most thing that people are afraid of is public speaking. And uh, most of you are probably thinking, yes, I hate to speak in front of people. The third thing that people are most commonly afraid of is bugs, snakes, and other small animals. I don't know why it's not large animals, but whatever is in the statistics. And at 18% is drowning. And those are all fears that many of us either have or know of people that have them. But there are seven fears that are called the seven deadly sins of fear. And I want to just take you through them because they're actually written by an individual that is not a Christian, but I want to show you today how serious fear is. The number one of those sins is the fear of being alone. And we've all probably either dated someone or been a friend with someone or married someone or had a friend married someone that they look back and say, boy, that was, I probably shouldn't have done that. I uh, was just terrified of being alone. Second one of those deadly fears is the fear of not connecting. Being in a room full of people and feeling like you don't belong. Right? I think all of us struggle with that. And maybe you're here today and and you say, Jake, I come to this church, but I just don't feel like I'm I'm a part of it. See me. I want to show you that you are loved and that you mattered. And I don't know if you know this or not, but most of you were extremely awkward before the COVID lockdowns. And being trapped at home didn't do you all any favors. And I'm just kidding. But um, uh, no, right? And that's a fear, though, that we are there, but we are invisible. The fear of connecting. The third one of those seven sins is the fear of being abandoned, right? Whether it's maybe you're older in life and you're watching your kids get so busy that you're afraid that they're not going to be there for you. Maybe it's the fear of what it would be like without a spouse or a significant other. The fourth fear is self-assertion. The fear that I know I could and I'd like to, but I'm terrified of trying. Have you ever been like that? Maybe you had a talent or a gift and there's something you'd like to do, but you're just terrified to try. The fifth one is a lack of recognition. We're terrified sometimes that I won't get the credit at work that I'm due. Or my spouse doesn't recognize how valuable I am. The sixth one is the fear of failure and success. How many times has the fear of failure kept you from doing something that you know that you should do? And you say, Jake, how could you have the fear of success? 
Have you ever watched how famous people can't go anywhere, can't do anything? Everybody's trying to slip and fall on their sidewalk because they want to sue them because they know they have money. And the last one is, and I think this one is applicable just for us to think about, is being alive. And it's meant in the sense that they've gotten old and they've looked back and realized they've, lo- they've wasted their life. I really believe that in about 30 years, a generation of people who walk around like this all the time are going to realize, I've missed it. You can't go to a ball game and everybody's watching it like this. The view is so much better like this. But yet the fear is that when people get older, they look back on their life and think, oh, I I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have went there. I, I wish I would have spent my time this way. And so today, you probably fit into one of those categories. But today, I really want you to hear this, that your fears will keep you from being who God wants you to be. You say, well, uh, preacher, I don't have any fears. Look up here. You're a liar. All of us fear something, whether it's a fear of losing a child, a fear of losing a, a loved one. I, uh, I wasn't going to bring this up, but I figure I might as well. The Lord does what he wants. And um, baptizing those brothers today is very special to me. And um, it's an interesting that it, it was supposed to be earlier in the month. And it got moved for vacation and other things. And um, today is the anniversary of, of my younger sibling, my younger brother's death. And as I mentioned in the baptistry, I was a heathen in high school. And many of you can attest. I was a heathen as an example. And the one thing that I look back in my life as a fear of failure is the fact that the same path he went on he got a first-hand view of his older sibling. And so to baptize those brothers today was beautiful. It was encouraging to me because I'm praying that it's different for them. It gives me hope. And uh, you say, well, preacher, I can't believe you share something like that. The Lord knows it. Today, I'm just willing to tell you what I fear and struggle with. You have one, too. Whatever that area of is in your life, there is the, it is there. And so today as we look at King David, I want to show you how there are three ways that you can prepare yourself to overcome the fear in your life. It might be financial fear. It might be fear of all the health issues going on. It might be fear in your relationship. It might be fear that you don't trust that God can do something in your life. And so this morning, if you have 1 Samuel chapter 17 with me, If you will stand, we're going to read our theme verse, verse 37, one more time here, and then we'll pray. Verse 37, it says, Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Pray with me. Father, today we come thankful for who you are. Lord, I thank you for the family that joined in the first service. I thank you for the young lady who came forward with her family as a candidate for baptism. Lord, we thank you for the young men that were baptized in the second service, Lord. But I I pray today, Lord, that you'd save in this place. Lord, I pray that you would bring that prodigal child of yours home today. Lord, I pray that you would reconcile relationships. And God, that you would just destroy the fear that we have allowed to creep into our lives. And so, Father, today I I pray that you would use your messenger. Lord, I am a sinful, wicked man. 
And so, Lord, I just give you all the glory and praise, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're familiar with 1 Samuel 17, the children of God are on one side of the valley. The Philistines and uh, Goliath are on the other side. And none of the children of Israel will go out to fight Goliath. And every day, twice a day, Goliath comes out and says, Send your best over, and if he kills me, we'll serve you. And, and if I kill him, you serve us. And every day this is going on. And every day this is going on. And, and right at 40 days this is going on. And, and so here we are. And King David is not yet the king. He's just a, still a shepherd. He's just a servant. He has brought his brothers uh, food and some rations. And he is just now getting there. And he is witnessing this situation unfold. You see, King David was not the king yet, but even though he had been ordained. He wasn't some old great warrior he, he didn't have all the powers and finesse that you would think of in a hero. But yet, God used him in a mighty way. And so today, if you're taking notes, and I really hope that you will, because I want you to take this home and study it. I want you to make sure that I'm teaching you the Word of God. The first thing I want to show you if you're taking notes is this. Fear causes us, give you a second to write, fear causes us to look for answers in all the wrong places. Fear causes us to look for answers in all the wrong places. And there's a country music song, and I want you to finish this statement. Looking for love. Now, I can get up here and try to get you to sing a Christian song with me, and none of you know it. Heathens. No, I'm just But oh, yeah. But looking for love in all the wrong places. And as Christians... Fear, or as someone who is not saved, fear will have you looking for answers in all the wrong places. And I want to show you that from this text here today, starting in verse 23. Starting in verse 23, then as he talked with them, he shows up, he talks to his brother, he witnesses what's going on. There was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him. And were dreadfully, what's that word? Afraid. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, What shall be done for the man who killed this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the manner saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. David witnesses this man, this giant, come across and make this statement. And, he's, and the people start saying, if somebody can kill him, they're going to be wealthy. They're going to marry into the royal family. And they will not have to pay taxes ever again. And you say, that sounds like a pretty sweet deal. I want to show you that fear had Saul trying to buy victory when all he had to do was go to the Lord. 
And friends, so many times in our life, God is the source of our victory. Whether it's depression, whether it's discouragement, whether it's today if you're lost, whether it's today if you're struggling with with discouragement or fear, or whatever the sin or problem in your life, so many times we try to throw money at a problem that God is the answer for. Friends, I do not hardly even take Tylenol anymore, and I don't think it is addictive, but I have a terribly addictive personality. And when I was running around, I was addicted to just about everything. And so I struggle with that. And so how many times, though, do you see someone who has discouragement or depression or has a hole they're trying to fill, and they try to fill it with drugs or alcohol or wild living, and and what you realize is the older you get, that will not satisfy the hole in your life that can only be filled by God. Elijah, when he was afraid of Jezebel, he didn't stand and call on God. He ran to the backside of the desert. How about Saul? At the end of Saul's life, he was worried about the outcome of things. And he went to a medium and asked for her to raise Saul's spirit from the dead. I want to say this this morning, and if it makes you mad, I am terribly sorry. But this kind of stuff, card reading and, and, and horoscopes and all that stuff, it is either totally false, or if it is not driven by the power of God, it is driven by what? The power of Satan. So Christian, quit looking for answers in all the wrong places. How about the fear of being alone? Causes us to be in relationships that we shouldn't be in. The fear of growing old alone causes us to get married too quickly. The fear of being the only Christian at work causes us to give in to peer pressure. You see, we always talk about peer pressure as something only kids face, but it's not. It's middle-aged people, it's older people. And how many times have the fear of being made fun of, the fear of being left out, caused us to sacrifice our beliefs for something temporal? And so what we see here is fear causes us to look for answers in all the wrong places. And today I want to challenge you. Whatever that issue that you're struggling with, whatever that fear is that's controlling you, God is willing to not only fill that void, but to deliver you from that situation. But you're going to have to trust Him. God is able to be the friend that sticks closer than your any brother. God is willing to provide financially rather than you cheating on your taxes. God is willing to bring that prodigal child home rather than you compromising your faith. To appeal to them. You see friends you have to trust. That God is the answer. He's the answer in your marriage. He's the answer as a parent. He's the answer in every situation. But fear will cause you to look for those answers. And hope in areas that are not valid. My wife and I have been married. uh, uh, 12 years. 12 years. This uh, was 12 years. This year. And, uh, and it, we've had our ups and downs, and it seems like this, this last year has been probably the hardest, uh, just from health issues and, and busyness and, and just a lot of, a lot of different uh, things. I, just, I think this has been the hardest. She's not going to look at me because she's going to cry and I'm going to cry. And, uh, but anyway, uh, it's just been a hard year. It's been a hard year for us. And, uh, and it's one of those things that I think of often that, you know, She's not the problem. I'm not the problem. Uh, we are the problem. Our sin is the problem. Our, our struggles are the problem. And it's so easy sometimes to say, 
you know what? Um, she could say, Jake's put on 60 pounds since we got married. And, uh, you know, he's got half the hair that he used to do and twice the head. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I'm going to look for a, a newer, newer model. But that's not the answer. That's the temporary fix to the problem. But both of our issues is we just need to draw closer to the Lord. Draw closer to each other. I said, Jake, I can't believe you'd say that in public. It's true. If you live next to us like the Hampsons, you probably heard us fighting. So it's just the way it is. I'd rather tell you than them. But it's that way. The world says, well, you're miserable at work. Just quit. Don't worry about being a good employee. The, the world says your relationship with your family and friends is too hard. Just quit. But what you need to hear is the answer needs to be the Lord. He needs to be the one who, like David says, he's paying someone to win a battle that God promised to fight for us. He even asks it again. Now what? He's paying someone to fight the battle that he should be willing to fight. Second thing I want to show you this morning is this. Not only does fear cause us to look for answers in all the wrong places, those who overcome fear will be persecuted by those who don't. And I really want you to get this title down correctly. Those who overcome fear will be persecuted by those who don't. I didn't say those who can't. Christian, I want you to look up here today. There is nothing in your life spiritually that God cannot overcome. You say, I just can't. You can. Through the power of God, God can overcome any situation in your life. The only time that fear will control you is when you don't trust God. But I want you to look up here for just a second. When God gives you victory over fear and the sins in your life, expect to be persecuted. And this is why misery loves. And friends, if I am struggling with a sin and I see God give you victory over that sin, what do most people do? Congratulations. I'm so happy for you. I'm so proud of you. No. Makes them feel guilty. Why is it that a pastor can preach on a topic and you've got it going on in your life. And your response is this. Well, I don't really like the preacher anyway. Preaches too long. Preaches too short. Preaches too loud. Tells too many jokes. Doesn't tell enough jokes. Dresses too fancy. Doesn't dress cool enough. When really what God is trying to say to you is. Quit blaming everyone else for the sin and the issues in your life. I'm that way. When God deals with me, I deflect. Well, it wasn't my fault. It's not really me. How can, I, how can anyone expect me to respond differently? But listen to what happens to David when he asks this question. What are we going to do? Who's going to fight the victory? Why is this happening? Look what it says in verse 28. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, this is David's own brother, when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and insolence of your heart, and you have come down to see the battle. His own brother says, why are you asking all these questions? Why are you meddling? Who do you think you are? And why do you think he's doing that? Because David's brother was hiding too. And here is his little brother 
who he knows has been ordained as the future king walks up going, what are you people doing? Why are you fearful? Why are we paying someone to fight this battle? And his older brother doesn't get courage because of it. His brother doesn't come up out of his hole and say, let's get it, let's get it done now. No, he says, who do you think you are coming down here without your fear? Coming down here without your baggage. And friends, you need to prepare yourself. If you give your life to Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, if you're here today and you're lost, and you come to know Jesus today at this service, there'll be people who say, oh, look at them. Think they're better than everybody else. Going to be one of them holy rollers now. But I'm telling you, it's because conviction's setting in. And they've made their peace with God. Friends, you need to know that as a Christian today, you might say, all my friends have told me I need to, I need to do this or give up on this, but I'm not going to do that. I, I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to trust Him. And those people you've been talking about going, oh, I can't believe you do that or I can't believe you think that way. And they're just jealous because they have not been willing to let God take over in their life and conquer the fear and sin that they're going through. But look what also David's brother says there. He says, who's watching those few sheep? You see the heart behind that. You say, well, that's not a big deal. If you remember, David had just got done caring for his father's sheep. Even though he had served in the king's right-hand man. But his brother says, where are those few sheep at? Doesn't really matter. You see, pride had gotten to his heart. He was on the battlefield. He was the warrior. He was the one representing the family well. But yet when push came to shove, he was hiding like the rest. And friends, I want you to know something. It doesn't matter how little you have, or how bad you've been, or how much you think you don't have to offer. God can use you. You say, I... I I just, I don't see how God could have a purpose for my life. Look up here. If you let him, he'll use you. If you will be willing to come to him, he'll save you. Today, you can be like David. And you can say, why are we not trusting God? Or you can be like his brother and say, I'm not going to get right with God. I'm going to criticize those who have overcome their fear. Who have trusted the Lord. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the Old Testament. They were not afraid of the king. They were not afraid to stand faithful to God. And it got them a great promotion, didn't it? They got a fireside grill, didn't they? But it wasn't the food. It was them. They were thrown into the fire. But they were not afraid. And God did what? He was with them in the fire. King cranks it up. It don't matter how hot he cranks it. He cannot kill those Hebrew boys. Think about also Daniel. Daniel wasn't afraid of the king. He wasn't going to stop praying. He wasn't going to start becoming an idol worshiper. He wasn't going to eat their food. He wasn't going to live their lifestyle. And they threw him in the world-class zoo at Babylon, didn't they? Threw him in the lion's den. But he was unafraid. And God did what? Closed the mouth 
of lions. You see, the same God who delivered in the Old Testament is the same God who won the victory at Calvary and is the same God who lives and works in your life and in mine. Most of us are so busy being Eliab that we refuse to trust like Daniel did, like David did. We're so busy being critical of, well, there's too many hymns, not enough hymns, too long, too short, too this, too that. When really God's saying, you've got a heart issue. I've got a heart issue. I've got to trust that God can. Psalms 91 verse 4 through 7 has become one of my favorite verses in the book of Psalms. And I want to read it to you. Psalms 91 verses 4 through 7 says this. He shall cover you with his feathers. And under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Do you notice how he's talking about daytime, noontime, nighttime? Why is that? Because God wants to remind you that he is with you always, morning, noon, or night. I have heard how some of you act in the morning, and you should be very worried that morning breath is not your biggest problem, right? I am not a morning person very well. And, but yet some of us think that, well, I, God can't be with me during this time, or maybe God's not listening, or maybe God's taking a vacation. The Bible says that God does not sleep nor slumber. There is never a time when you will face a situation, when you will go through a trial or a tribulation, or you will have a problem that God is not willing and able to be at work. So fear causes us to look for answers in all the wrong places. Those of us who overcome our fear will be persecuted by those who don't. And third and finally, overcoming fear requires faith in God. I want you to listen to David's response. And I want you to show you how this must become your life as well. Starting in verse 29. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he returned from him toward another. So he just keeps going from person to person. Why are we paying to kill this guy? Why are we paying to kill this guy? What are we doing? And he goes on and says, then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul and he sent for him. So the king hears about it. What's this crazy person doing running around there asking about my reward? Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. 
Moreover, David said, I don't miss this. David says what's going to happen, and now he says why it's going to happen. Don't miss this. Moreover, David said, the Lord, who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Saul says, David, you're not a warrior. David, you're just a harp playing youth. You're just a sheep herder. And this man, he's a warrior, right? He is the best of the best, and you're the B team at best. And David said, God's done great things in my life. And the Lord is going to do this. Friends, the answer to your problem is not you. The answer to your problem with sin is not you. The answer to your problem of loneliness or discouragement is not you. The answer to your problem is faith in Him. Is trusting that Jesus Christ really is who He said He is. The Bible tells us that Jesus loved you so much that He came to this earth and was born. And I believe that He was born just like the Bible says that He was born. That He lived a perfect life. That he came as a humble carpenter's son. Virgin born but raised in a humble life. And willingly went to this cross. Not this one but a cross. And willingly allowed them to drive nails into his hands. Into his feet. And to put the crown of thorns on his head. He willingly hung there as God the Father poured out the judgment of all sin that has ever been committed. And that he died for you and I. But yet, even though he did all of that, that wasn't the end of the story. God loved us so much that he raised from the dead and conquered sin and death and the grave. And the Bible says today that if you will repent of your sins, if you will turn from your wickedness and from my wickedness and turn to Jesus Christ, calling upon his name, asking him to come into our heart as the Lord and Savior of our life, that he will save us not just from some of our sins, not just from one of our sins, but from all of them. And friends, you and I can take our last breath on this earth knowing absent from the body is. You can know it. Friends, I know I'm not good enough to earn God's love. I told you a little bit of that earlier. And neither are you. You say, Jake, I've been baptized. I'm a member of a church. I take the Lord's Supper. None of that can get you to heaven. You must be born again. You must repent of your sins. You say, well, Jake, everybody thinks I'm perfect. Look up here. No one thinks you're perfect. My oldest child told me this week, she goes, Dad, everybody knows you're a jerk. You just know that. I'm like, yeah, yeah kind of the way. Kind of a humbling moment. Trust me. No one thinks you're as nice as you think you are. You say, well, nobody knows about my hidden sin or what I watch on the internet or, or how I talk at home or the stuff that's in my cabinet. Nobody knows about that. Look up here. God does. But yet he loved you anyway. You say, I'm not from here. No one knows my past. No one knows my mistakes. Look up here. God does and he loves you anyway. And friends, you've got to let your pride, 
your fear of what other people think about you. You've got to let it go. And you've got to come and say, Jesus, here I am. A broken, sinful mess. But that you died for. The Bible says that God knew every sin that you'd commit before you were ever born. And died for you anyway. That's the love that he has for you. You say, Jake, I'm afraid of what that means if I give my life to Jesus. How's my, how's my life going to change? And how are my friends going to change? And how, how's this all going to work? What if I can't do the things I want to do? Look up here. It's worth it. It's worth it. You say, preacher, I am saved. I know I'm saved. I, I know I'm right with God. But, but I'm just, I'm afraid of everything. I'm afraid of raising my kids in this world. I'm afraid of death. I'm afraid of sickness. I'm, I'm afraid that we're not going to have enough money to pay the bills. Listen, I cannot tell you that you won't be afraid. I am telling you that God is able to meet every need that you have. That He can conquer enemy, enemy that you face. Psalms 34 verse 4 says it like this. And I want you to hear this today because I want you to hear that there is nothing in your spiritual life that God cannot do. In verse 4 it says, I sought the Lord and He heard me. I want you to look up here just for a moment and I'm quickly coming to the end. You say, preacher, you don't know how I was raised. This is just who I am. That's because you haven't sought the Lord. You say, Jake, you just don't understand what it's like in our marriage right now. You don't understand. You're right. But it's because you haven't sought the Lord. You say, Jake, my, my fear, my sin, my problem, it's too big. It is too overwhelming. It's too embarrassing. It's too shameful. Look there at that verse. It says, I sought the Lord. And he what? Read those three words with me. He heard me. Friends, today, if you want God to work in your life, He will. Now, read the rest of this verse with me. And delivered me from all my what? I'm deaf in one ear, so you're really going to have to speak up. Let's read that together. The second part. And delivered me from all my If you seek him, he will hear you and he will deliver you. You say, preacher? (laughs) People say preacher usually when they don't like you, but that's just the way it is. Not always, but sometimes. Our marriage has been bad for three decades and no one knows about it. We're hanging on by a thread. If you seek him, he will hear you. And can deliver you from all your fears. You say, I, I just, I'm really worried about all that's going on in the world. If you seek him, he will hear you and will deliver you. Friends, I'm not telling you to go lick doorknobs or go play in the middle of traffic. I'm not saying that. Don't, that's not fearless living, that's stupidity, okay? And I eat food off the ground and it don't bother me, okay? But friends, you've got to stop letting fear control your life.
you say, Jake, we'd love to be, we would love to be involved in church, but we just don't feel like we, we have anything to offer. That's Satan. And you fear your inadequacies. And so today I want to challenge you. I sought the Lord and he heard me. And it doesn't say he delivered me from some of my fears. It doesn't even say most of my fears. It says that he delivered me from all my fears. Friends, that doesn't mean you're not going to struggle. But it means that God wins. You say, Jake, you just don't know how bad I've been. (laughs) I am a grade A scoundrel. The Lord can save you. If you'll seek him, he will hear you and will deliver you. Psalms 41 verse 10 is the last thing I have for you this morning because I want you to remember this as we close today. Psalms, Isaiah 41 verse 10. I've seen this in kitchens. I've seen this on billboards. I've seen this on things out in front of the house. But the weirdest place I've ever seen this verse is on a bathroom wall in someone's house. Fear not. I'm like, how bad is it in here? But I'm not a, but everybody's going, do we have that verse in our bathroom? I don't know. Listen to what it says in verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. <laughs> Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Friends, God says, Fear not. You have to believe him. You say, Jake, I don't know how we're going to pay the bills. Fear not. You say, Jake, I don't know how we're going to raise Christian children that are going to find Christian spouses. Fear not. You say, Jake, I don't know what being a Christian at work might cost me. Fear not. You say, Jake, I really want to serve God, but I don't know if I can. Fear not. It's not because of me. It's not because of your abilities. But why should you fear not? Because he is with you. Friends, the answer to your fear problem, the answer to your sin problem, the answer to your pride problem, the answer to your lust problem, the answer to your anger problem is Jesus Christ. And today, if you'll seek him, he will hear you and he will deliver you. Pray with me as Jamie and Janice come as you stand. Father, we thank you so very, very much for your word. And Lord, I know I haven't done it justice. Lord, I know that I've stumbled and stammered. And Lord, I get confused. But God, I trust you that your word is at work. Your spirit is changing lives. And so, Father, right now, I pray for anyone in this place that is not 100% sure they know you as their Lord and Savior. Whether they made a profession of faith as a little child or Lord, whether they've been baptized or they're a member of this church, Lord, or another one. Today, Lord, show them that they need you to save them from their sin. Father, I pray right now that your spirit is convicting and has been convicting. Because he alone can draw people to himself. So, Lord, right now, I just pray that he is at work. Father, I pray right now that you are working in the lives of Christians whose lives are being controlled by fear and sin and all the junk that gets in all of our lives. Father, maybe today I pray
for that person who's been standing firm in their faith. They've been standing true regardless of the consequences. Lord, today I pray that you'd give them the courage to endure that persecution because of their faith over fear. Lord, today I pray that you would help all of us yield to you. No more playing games. No more making excuses. Lord, but that today you would help us to trust you more in every area of our life. And so, Lord, maybe it's something totally different today that, that I don't know about that's going on in someone's heart and life that you do. That during this time of invitation, Lord, they would respond and come to you. And I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.